Buffy the Vampire Sprayer. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a passion for animal conservation. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, and conservation organizations. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, anyone who can help me in my mission of connecting my people to animals through their people. Join me on my raw safari. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of the Rossafari Podcast. Y'all, I'm really, really excited to be bringing you another episode from my time gigging in Phoenix earlier this year. Uh, and this is this is kind of fun. So when I was in Phoenix last year, I went to Wildlife World Zoo, Aquarium, and Safari Park, and I spoke to the person who was there, like spokesperson at the time. That person was Christy Hayden, and uh, that made for quite a memorable episode about a year ago, if you want to go back and check that out. But as we all know, time moves forward. At least uh, we perceive time moving forward. There's an argument that it doesn't actually move forward, but this is not a podcast about astrophysics. It is a biology podcast, so we're going to skip that for now. Uh, so yeah, time marches forward, and um, Christy has been promoted and is now the president at Wildlife World Zoo Aquarium and Safari Park. There are a lot of words in that name, but it's a good place and frankly a good name. Anyway, and so the person who Christy is training to take over with a lot of the PR work that she used to do is our guest today. Her name is Danielle Hinderleader, and you are going to love the energy and passion that she brings to this podcast. Along with becoming the spokesperson of the zoo, Danielle is also the head of the birds department at the zoo. So we are going to talk about a lot of really cool birds, including some of my favorites, Taracos, which we love and which they have an incredible collection of at Wildlife World, and um, also cassowaries and rayas, all kinds of cool stuff. You're going to hear words like ratite and citizine, and um, it's it's just it's a fun podcast episode, y'all. And and Danielle is very passionate and and very excited and and um, you can just tell that she loves what she does, and it's extra cool because as you're going to hear. She grew up going to this zoo that she is now such an important part of. Um, I, I love hearing stories like that. It's just, it's just really cool. So I will let Danielle tell you more about her own stuff. But I will tell you that you need to make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Make sure that you're following along at Raw Safari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. At Raw Safari Pod on TikTok. And don't forget that you can support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash where for as little as $3 a month, you can support the pod and also get bonus content from some of the episodes, including this one right here. Yep, we have some bonus audio. Video from Danielle. That's uh, it's a lot of fun. So I think you're going to enjoy that if you are a patron. And if you're not a patron, you can become a patron and then you too can enjoy that audio. So uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to sharing this one with y'all. So I'm going to stop talking and do that now. Without further ado, here is my interview with Danielle Hinderleader of Wildlife World, Zoo, Aquarium, and Safari Park. <laughs> So why don't we start off by you telling me who you are, where you work, and what you do here? 
So my name is Danielle, and I am here at the Wildlife World Zoo, Aquarium, and Safari Park, and I am our head bird keeper here. Okay, wait. So this is weird. Um, your name is Danielle. Yes. And this is a ZAA facility, mm -hmm. and you are the head bird keeper here. Correct. One of my best friends in the world is somebody I met doing this podcast. Mm -hmm. Her name is Danielle goes by Danny, Warrior yeah. Larson, at Southwick's Zoo, which is a ZAA-accredited facility, and she is the head bird keeper there. Is this part of ZAA accreditation that you have to be named Danielle to be a – is that – Yeah, I actually, so, yeah. yeah, my first name is actually Destiny, so I go by my middle name, Danielle, because it's kind of part of the job. Okay, that makes <laughs> sense. I, that, it's good that you had that middle name then, something to like fall yeah, back on. Yeah, that's, that's definitely. Good. I guess it was your – Destiny? Yes. And I know you've yes. never heard that joke before. <laughs> no, never, so, never. Yeah, nailing this one so far. <laughs> awesome. Um, so tell me about you. How did you find out that you liked animals? Mm. What was your path to get into this, you know, career in general? Tell me things. So I've been coming to the zoo since we moved out here. So originally I'm from California. Ooh, um, where at? Southern California. Not really, you know. Not really anywhere? <laughs> not okay. really anywhere Fair, Spectacular. Fair. I, love, I love Southern California. I spent yeah, time yeah. in like San Diego and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, anyway, go ahead. Not any of the like fun parts, but you know. Um, <laughs> so you're from the boring part of Yes. Awesome. Boring okay. part. Okay. Um, so my mom, you know, she would take me to San Diego Zoo, um, Aquarium of the Pacific. You know, I'd go with my family and we'd go all the time. And so we moved out here. Um, we have all our family out here um, in Arizona when I was about eight years old. And at that point, we got our zoo membership here at the Wildlife World Zoo. And I have two younger sisters. And so my dad was working out of state for a while, um, but he's retired now. And so my mom would just take me and my sisters, you know, get the kids out of the house. Um, and we'd just walk around. And then it kind of, as I got older, um, I... I don't know, in high school, probably when I started driving, I would just come here and walk around on the weekends or whatever, usually here like once a week or so, um, just kind of talk to the birds, especially because I've always been a huge bird person. And this is definitely a place full of birds. So yes. a lot of variety, a lot of um, really cool, you know, endangered, critically endangered uh, birds that and animals, other animals um, that are just really unique that you can't really find anywhere else. So just kind of growing up around that wide variety was kind of sparked that passion there. And so, you know, over time, then I, I was like, oh, it might be kind of cool to volunteer there. So I had a shoulder surgery, so I couldn't do it like right at 18. So I started when I was 19 years old um, and I've been working here for coming up on four years. Wow. Um, yeah. And it's been quite the adventure. And my sister's eight-year, 10-year gap there. So they're, you know, younger, but um, not quite sure where they're going to go with their their animal passions. But um, they like more so like dolls and stuff. But when I was younger, I'd have like, you know, my little stuffed animals. They would, you know, talk to each other and, you know, little pet shops, all the like little animal toys. Um, or like, you know, those little hard animals you can find anywhere. We sell them up in the gift shop. You can yeah, find yeah. them at like craft stores and stuff. Me and my friends would have like a bunch of those little guys and they would kind of hang out and talk to each other. And those were our dolls. <laughs> nice. I like that. You're, you're lying slightly though, because come on, when you were a kid, you had stuffed animals. You still have stuffed animals. Yeah. Come yeah. On. I, I do on. still. We actually have, um, we have three red rough lemurs here at the wildlife world zoo and they are super cool. So they are Asher, Aria and Avery and they are so incredible. And I do have three stuffed red rough lemurs <laughs> at home. So, That's <laughs> um, awesome. yeah, it's pretty funny. My, uh, my boyfriend, he also works here and, um, he, 
asked for Christmas for a couple of like the animals that he works with. And so he got two red ref lemurs and he actually got me one. So now we've got all three and they're just hanging out. Uh, we've got, you know, that's really adorable. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah, no, I have a, I have a stuffed red panda that travels. The yeah. Country with me. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, when you were like, when I was a kid, I'd stuff that I'm calling you out. Yeah. yeah. No, yep. that's really cool. I love that. Um, so, you know, I'm curious before we get back into that for a second, mm-hmm. your boyfriend works here as well. Yeah. So what's that like being in like, cause I know like the thing, the, the reason I'm asking is not to pry on your personal life, yeah. but because <laughs> I mean, also that whatever, you know, it's a podcast, juicy details are cool. No, but, um, because compassion fatigue is such a real thing. And so Definitely. many of the keepers that I talk to need to have the ability to go home and talk to somebody about yeah. stuff. Or the other thing I could see happening is just like you could spend all night drowning on something if something mm-hmm. bad happens. When I say bad, I mean it's a facility. Animals will die. They are old. Like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, whatever. Um, how do you all handle that and the balance between, you know, the relationship at home and at work? Yeah, so – being together all the time, you know, at work, at home, we are very compatible. Um, so we kind of have to have that separation of, you know, we talk about work stuff sometimes, but not all the time. Um, you know, it's okay because we both understand what it's like to be in that position. Um, and can, you know, if you do have like a loss of, you know, one of your favorite animals that was really, really old and, you know, got sick or something like that, um, you can know that that person's going to understand what, that exact feeling you're having is. And it's not something that everyone can really relate to, but it's really nice to be able to have someone that can. And then we talk about like all our fun stories from the day, you know, we talk about it a little bit and then we don't talk about it, you know, you <laughs> yeah, gotta yeah. not talk about it sometimes, but it is really nice to have that, that connection. And my roommate also, she used to work here as well. Um, and she's a teacher now, but, um, we, um, we all have that kind of understanding of what it's like being on you know, the, the animal care aspect of working at a zoo. <laughs> yeah. No, that totally makes sense. That's cool. It's good that you guys have some boundaries. Yeah, I definitely. I could see that being so good or so bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which I guess is true in most relationships. It's good. <laughs> that you guys like, I like that you're like, yeah, we're compatible. I'm like, yeah. you're dating. You should be, but we <laughs> yeah, also right? have those friends who are dating people that I'm like, mm, you're not compatible. Right? <laughs> good choices in life. Good choices. Yeah. In life. Um, no, that's cool. Very cool. So, uh, how did you transition from volunteering here to um, working here and, and what was that pathway? So I actually started in our ponds and carnivores department and it was really fantastic. It was awesome. You know, you get hands on, you get to do some really incredible things and pick up lots of poop, of course. <laughs> um, and just really interesting to start off with. So then a position opened up, someone had gone out with an injury. Um, and so they asked me if I could fill in for, you know, part time, um, until that person came back. Well, lucky for me, when that person came back healthy and fine, right. Um, when there, when that person came back, I was actually able to stay on, um, as a keeper, which was, you know, amazing. So, and then shortly after that, I started in our birds and primates department. And then, um, Ooh, a while ago, we split that department and I am now the head bird keeper. So just kind of worked my way up and it's just been quite the experience. And now I get to do stuff. I get to train under Christy Hayden here, um, our president here. And she's tuning. <laughs> yes, yes. And she is training me to do some uh, um, some really cool media stuff, which is really fantastic because... Like podcasts? Yes, like podcasts. <laughs> and it's just, you know, every kid is... Every kid who likes animals is like, oh, I want to be like Steve Irwin when I grow up. So it's just really awesome to be able to have that voice for the animals that they aren't able to have for themselves. 
That's awesome. Yeah, very cool. And, um, you know, obviously a goal that I, I understand mm-hmm, and, and try, definitely. To do, try to be a voice of animals and also keepers because yeah. not a lot of people in this industry get to do what you get mm-hmm, to do. And definitely. it's cool that you have somebody who can train you so efficiently too and so effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very cool. Good for you. Good for you. So I'm curious. We'll get to the birds. Yes. But before we do, you were originally with birds and primates. Mm-hmm. And was it hard to do the split? And especially because, like, I know that primates are such charismatic and also, like, um, relational animals. Yeah. So what was that like for you? So it was definitely not a struggle, but it was definitely something that is kind of hard to adjust to at first just because they have – basically the opposite behaviors from each other. So if you think of primates, you know, you think if you show your teeth, if you look them in the eyes, those are all signs of aggression. Um, And they hate that. They do not want that. They're going to shake the fence or get upset. And so you really have to learn their behaviors and learn how to communicate with them. And, you know, obviously I had the training to do that. So I wasn't smiling at them and, you know, (laughs) looking them in the eye like, hey, how's it going? You know, Um, and have that that respect and boundary of those animals and give them the same respect that, you know, they would want to be given. Um, but then the birds, on the other hand, they want direct eye contact. They want you to look them right in the eye and, you know, sing and dance along with them and just have a great time. But yeah, it was definitely quite the adjustment to, um, you know, as a new keeper, get a feel for that difference going from our primate enclosures to our bird enclosures and kind of keeping that in the back of your mind the entire time because different animals have different behaviors. And, you know, a lot of people um, who aren't like in the animal, you know, the animal field, they'll think of a dog and just kind of think that every animal is going to act like a dog. Like they're going to want to hang out and follow you around and look you in the eye. But that's just really not the case because each individual animal has adapted to their environment over, you know, millions of years. And so obviously their behaviors are going to be a little bit different as well. So definitely something to keep in mind when working with those animals. Yeah, totally makes sense. I'm curious, you know, one thing that I hear a lot when I talk to people Mm -hmm. is that, um, you know, oh, Birds like this or a specific yeah. you know, tracos like yeah. this, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, but then it gets down to the individual level. Yeah. And obviously you have to get to know each animal as an individual and Definitely. sometimes they'll be different. What is that transition like for you from being like, okay, all tracos like I, – I don't know really. <laughs> but like all tracos like to run across people's arms because I know a lot of places yeah. do that. I've yeah. gotten to be a part of that, right? I, I might be, you know, I'm not saying they all actually do, but <laughs> yeah, they all yeah. do. But then you meet Bob the Taraco who mm-hmm. hates doing that. What, yeah. what is that transition like for you and how do you figure that out and kind of learn your way through that? So just like when you kind of talk to people, it's going to be like, oh, this person loves the color red and going to Chili's, you know, or wherever <laughs> it is. But then like you talk to this guy over here and he loves red, but he hates Chili's. He never ever wants to go there. He wants nothing to do with it. Um, so you kind of have to look at it. I I treat them like how if they were little people, basically, and I listen and kind of observe and wait to kind of wait to strengthen that bond until they show me that they want that. And so you really have to take the time with each individual animal, like you were saying, and get to know their personality. And before you say, Hey Bob, you want to run across our arms? Cause then that's going to set that that's going to set your relationship with that animal back. You're going to want to not, you know, not jump straight into that and be like, Hey Bob, what do you like to do? Obviously you can't ask him that straight up. So just kind of over time and, 
building that relationship, you're able to kind of realize those likes and dislikes and, you know, favorite foods. You'll notice, oh, this bird goes for the banana first every single time or this bird really likes pistachios, but this one hates them. It, it, it really is just they're just like little people. No, that makes sense. Do you think that having the ability to do that with animals makes you better at building relationships with humans? I would say so. Um, I would say that definitely working with animals, you have to you have to kind of keep in mind that they're not little people. But then when you talk to when you talk to real people, remember that they're not animals. <laughs> um, and I, I would say I'm pretty outgoing in general and yes. but taking the time to kind of learn <laughs> taking the time to kind of learn those likes and dislikes of the animals you can kind of apply like oh hey this guy is having a bad day like it's not directed at me even though it was it's just kind of realizing that oh this isn't all about me you know <laughs> Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. I'm I'm wondering how many of your friends that are listening to this right now are sitting there like, what she, what has she observed about <laughs> me? What is if she has these skills where she can like pick up on things? What? Ooh, yeah. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. I kind of look at it too from like a biological perspective too, because just like the biology field in general, like if you were to look, you know, like go study chimps or whatever, and kind of take an outsider approach, um, I kind of apply that too, like with people, and you know, people are just primates too, so. Just kind of look at it that way. Yeah. It, it helps. <laughs> no, makes sense to me. Makes sense. Um, very cool. So let's talk about some of the birds here. And yeah. um, normally my first question is always, what, what is your favorite? But actually, I don't care right now. Okay. Because I know what my favorite <laughs> is. I'm obsessed with Tarakos. I yeah. love Tarakos. And I have never seen a better collection of Tarakos mm -hmm. than here. So take me through the different types that you have and tell me about like individuals and like, like get into it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so... We have a ton. We definitely have a ton. Um, we have white crested. We have violet turacos. We have red crested. Um, we have several other species as well. So definitely, like, if someone's interested in coming out, if they love turacos like yourself, come check them out because we really do have a wide variety. Um, we have the western gray plantain eaters, and they I are have so cool. yeah, I have one of those guys in my department, and he is such a silly little bird. He definitely. Okay, so there's there's one I used to work with. He's in another department, and he was awesome. He'd come right up, and, you know, if he was really hungry that day, he'd, like, peck your hand, like, all right, come on, let's get on with it. But then this little guy, he, you know, stays on the other side, and then, you know, once you leave, he's like, oh, hey, this is pretty cool, you know, and he'll fly, like, <laughs> right over to the food. But um, just like we were talking about, like, a minute ago, they all have their individual personalities, and it's just really cool to see, like, the different, you know, you can have a Western Grey plantain eater, but this one wants to come right up to you and this one wants nothing to do with you so we definitely have a ton of variety there and they're pretty cool <laughs> yeah absolutely um what what kind of training do you do with with these birds so it definitely depends on the bird so we have a very wide variety of um, different species here and so like the parrots for example i have had um birds since a while. I, you know, I had um, finches when I was little. And then when I was in high school, when I, right before my 16th birthday, I got a green cheeked conure. Oh my. Yeah. Oh and my. he is, his name is Sebastian and he is just the silliest little, sweetest little guy. And the following year we got him a mate and her name is Pumpkin and they are the best of friends. Um, if you reach in to grab them, sometimes they're a little bitey, but if they come out to see you, they are just the sweetest little birds. They'll snuggle up right under your chin. And so those guys kind of helped me get a sense for, you know, before I started working with other animals, 
helped me get a sense for that, you know, that bird behavior, bird behavior and like we were talking about the likes and dislikes and just basically when you learn what a bird's favorite treat is, when you learn, you know, like what reward system works best for them. Cause you know, you never ever want to do like negative reinforcement. That's big no, no, but the positive reinforcement, just kind of taking the time to learn and we'll take like our hyacinth macaws, for example, they love macadamia nuts. Those are their favorite. And so I know to build that relationship with that bird, if I bring her a little, if I hand feed her a little macadamia nut, that's going to make her day, you know, and she's going to have a great time. (laughs) Um, And it takes them a little while to get into that nut. But then the whole time, you know, they have that positive association with you and just starting there at the base of it, just learning the likes and dislikes and then kind of working up to, um, Going back to my Conyers here, um, I have them potty trained. Nice. Um, okay. So it is um, if you hold them over a trash can or a toilet, um, you have to make sure you do it every 15 minutes or so. But I'll say go ahead and they'll go ahead on command. <laughs> um, so definitely um, you got to be careful about what phrases you're using too um because i was saying go potty at first because i you know i was 16 like oh hey go potty you know like please don't poop on my shirt (laughs) and um then my mom's like he's gonna start saying that (laughs) so i was like oh you're right (laughs) i don't want him to say that so um definitely being careful about like what specific commands you're using and learning those likes and dislikes and just building that relationship um and then over time they'll kind of show you their little quirks and their little behaviors and you can kind of encourage that with that positive reinforcement sweet very cool uh do you do any um breeding here involved in any of that we do yeah um so we actually have 6,000 animals. <laughs> so, That's a lot of animals. Um, yeah. So, you know, you can you can guess there might be a couple of uh, <laughs> couples within that. Um, and we have a lot of really endangered and like critically endangered species as well. So it's really, really important for conservation efforts to take those um, to take those animals and give them the opportunity to not only be an ambassador for their species, but also, you know, ha- keep a population um, because in the wild, obviously, there are a lot of different factors that they could be facing, such as, you know, predators, um, deforestation, bush, bush meat trade, all sorts of things. So definitely important to keep in mind that while um, while there might be a little bit of controversy over zoos, it's really, really important for conservation efforts because then you can take that, you know, that population and still have that animal around rather than, you know, it disappearing completely. So right. it's it's really important to um, not just have those breeding pairs, um, but also talk about them and give them, you know, like our scarlet macaws, for example, we actually have a three month old right now. His name is Skittles and he is the love of my life. Amazing. Um, and so those guys face de- deforestation and, you know, the pet trade and all sorts of other issues out in the wild. And so being able to have little Skittles as an ambassador, you know, you can bring him out somewhere and a little kid, like she, you know, you might have like a four-year-old little girl who sees that scarlet macaw and then birds are her favorite thing ever. And then she grows up and she wants to save all the birds and she can make all that difference because she had that interaction with that bird. So it's just, it's really important for conservation efforts. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of times we use the term ambassador animal Mm -hmm. to speak of the specific ones that you get to see in shows or interact with or whatever. But the truth is all 
animals at a zoo are ambassadors definitely, for their species definitely. and and seeing them and connecting with them is um, obviously wildly important yeah definitely and, and you never know like someone might see one particular little monkey or you know a tortoise and that could be their favorite animal for the rest of their life because mm-hmm. they had that one interaction with them yeah I mean I very d- distinctly remember going to the Philadelphia Zoo and seeing a red panda mm-hmm. um, that was there at the time this is old red panda Malin she's gone now but mm-hmm. um I, I literally walked past other red pandas. Yeah. And I mean, I've got, I go to a lot of zoos. I've seen a lot of yeah. red pandas. And there was just something about May. And she was just looking up at me and she was crunching yeah. on some bamboo. And I remember, I remember the exact scene. It was snowy. I remember mm-hmm. all of it. And I fell in love with her mm-hmm. and with red pandas. And I now volunteer for Red Panda Network. I talk about them on this podcast way too much, <laughs> yeah. including right now at a facility where there aren't red pandas. Yeah. And um, I've raised thousands of dollars for Red Panda Network. And I... it. It, it's had an impact. That's fantastic. Know? And it's yeah. all just because of this one little goober eating yeah. bamboo. It's not even yeah. like it was a like physical hands-on experience. Definitely. You know? um, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's always, it's always interesting to see the ambassador effect mm-hmm. that you can have at zoos. Um, and yeah, I, I actually, you know, speaking of, of mating at the zoo here, mm-hmm. uh, I saw a little bit of, of mating behavior today in the Jaguar exhibit. Yeah. That's exciting. Yes, to see. it is. Um, so are they, able to mate or do or I mean they're obviously able to mate but yeah. um, do they have uh, are they on any kind of birth control or anything or is there the chance that there will be, be cubs do you know I mean I know that's out of your department but. yeah so that is out of my department so I can't speak 100% on it but we do have a breeding pair here in which you know those guys definitely need that conservation effort yeah. and yeah. so we do um, we do like trading with other zoos for that genetic um, diversity yeah yeah, thank I you. you. I <laughs> blinked you. on the word for a second. I was like, <laughs> what the heck? Um, but yeah, so we do have that breeding pair here. And the cubs are the cutest little things. We do hand raise those guys because that way we're able to really closely monitor their growth and development because there might be some sort of issue um, that, you know, you don't really notice if they're not being... Like if they're not getting weight, for example, um, that's a huge sign that, you, you know, something's going on. So you got to really step in, you know, not that we have that problem. Those guys are doing fantastic. But if you do have like a baby, for example, that's not getting weight, just like a human, um, it's really important. It's a really crucial developmental time. And to make sure that that animal is set up for success within their whole lifetime, it's really, really important to um, just just really closely monitor that. And that's the type of animal that um, is then going to have a great relationship with humans and do well, you know, with their keeper staff and develop that relationship. So it's really great for training. Um, you know, like our, our big cats too, like our lions and tigers, we do regular like training with them. Um, not me, not my department again, <laughs> um, but we do regular training with them so we can get blood work and stuff like that. And just make sure that those animals have the best chance that they could possibly have, um, as far as health and development. Yeah, that's awesome. And that makes a lot of sense. Very, very cool. Uh, so tell me, tell me, all right, we'll get to you now. Now we've talked about Taracos and everything. What, what are some of your favorite birds? Uh, Other than Skittles, obviously. Yes. Oh my gosh. He's the cutest little thing. So I have a top three categories list. Um, so it's really, really hard if you ask an animal person, what's their favorite animal, of course, to pick one animal. Um, my number one category is birds, but obviously there's a lot of diversity within, you know, the bird population. Yeah. There are thousands and thousands of them, which I think is something that really draws me to birds in particular and just their like silly little quirks and stuff like that. Um, and they're just really amazing animals and they have a huge impact on the ecosystem. And 
within that category, um, I would say Stanley Cranes because yes. they're super feisty. But then once you kind of work with them for a little bit, then they're like, okay, you're pretty cool. And we have this one and her name is Dancer and she loves to dance with you. And she's just such a silly bird. And she kind of like stands up on her toes. She puts her wings out and she looks like, like a beautiful butterfly basically when she has her wings out. And she... She just makes my day anytime I see her. Um, and then our blue-bellied rollers, those guys are just so gorgeous. The first time that I saw, you know, like, because the the area that we have them in is, it opened before I had started working here in that expansion of the park. And I remember the day my mom and I walked through to check out this new area. We were so excited because we're always doing something, you know, new at the zoo. And... I saw these blue blade rollers and I thought that is one of the most beautiful birds I have ever seen. And so since I've started researching them, they are just fantastic little animals. They'll actually follow fires because um, they live in East Africa um, and they'll follow fires to get all of the bugs that flee from them. They're insectivores. Oh, wow. And I just think that is so cool. That is and, cool. Yeah. And um, the reason they have the name roller, there are other species as well, like the lilac breasted roller. Um, there's, it's a, it's a whole family. <laughs> um, but the blue belly, it's just something about them. I really like bluebirds. Um, they're really just any, not bluebirds, the bird, but right, right. birds no, that are blue. you hate them. No, I know we were talking about no. this before and you were like, <laughs> no, oh, I hate no, them. No, like, no. I can't, they're, I can't. they're cool. They're cool. <laughs> no, um, but they're just really cool as well. And so they get the name roller because they just have this beautiful display. So when they dive down, they kind of roll in the air and it's just so cool to see. That's and they're, awesome. oh, you have, you have to see them. You have to see them. Um, and then parrots in general, just macaws i would say within that category again okay, all these yeah. categories yeah, but yeah. um they're just really fun to work with and they're just really silly and like like i said little skittles is probably my favorite um but just growing up like especially coming here because we've gotten a lot of donations over the years because people don't really realize what a commitment a macaw is you might think you do and then you have one in your home and you don't um they're you know they're loud they're messy they're and they're, they're wild animals and there's um you know like dogs and cats they're domesticated Birds are not domesticated. Birds are wild animals. And so a lot of people don't really realize what they are taking, you know, taking on. And unless you're there all the time, you know, with that bird, they're they're going to miss you, you know. And so it's really great, you know, like for zoos to have them because then they can talk to people all day long and they they absolutely love it. And it's just a really great form of simulation. We do, you know, regular enrichment, stuff like that. Um, just keep them simulated and happy and I just think parrots are really cool. I could go on and on and on all day long on parrots, but um, no, I get that. Yeah. Citizens are, are amazing, and yeah. one of the first things that I learned on this podcast is the word citizen. Yeah. So I use it all the time yeah. now, and I actually <laughs> learned that from the other Danielle. Oh, um, perfect. So there you go. Yeah, but um, that's that's very cool. Going back to your Stanley Crane for a second. Yeah. Um, is it the crane that's on, like the Stanley Crane that's on exhibit right now? Is that who you were talking about? I'm just. We actually have several on exhibit. Okay. So we I them... only saw one. I've only yeah. I've only made it through like half of the zoo. Today. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it's a big it's part. Big for sure, yeah, definitely. Um, but no, because there was uh, there was a Stanley Crane. It was so funny that you brought that up mm -hmm. because uh, there was a Stanley Crane that was very interested in me and yeah. came over and walked kind of back and forth with me, and then even like tried to stick the beak out a little bit. I was like trying to get a photo, and that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, very, just a very personable bird, and I really felt like I was like connecting with this bird, which is crazy because I've been to this zoo three times now, mm -hmm. and every single time I have had real connections with yeah. animals that are exhibit animals, which. Definitely. 
which is very different than what happens at a lot of zoos where you connect with the ambassadors or like, you know, with the podcast, I get to go behind the scenes sometimes. I'll have those moments. But I have had different connections with different animals every time I've been at this zoo, which I find fascinating. Yeah. And yeah. there are just some facilities where I feel like that's more of a thing and some that aren't. And great facilities. I'm not going to say any names. But there are some yeah. zoos that I've been to a bunch of times and I've never felt that. And the animals mm-hmm. are beautiful and I enjoy my time there. But I never even like think like, oh, I should reach out to do an interview because I'm just like, I don't know. I'm not connecting. And that, that could be yeah. as much about me about the facility. I'm sure there are people who have the same experience at those zoos that you've had here. Yeah. You know, Um and I don't know what that is, but I find it fascinating. But here, every time I have been here, yeah. I have had that. And I'm like, how cool is that? So I think a couple of the factors that might contribute to that is we are actually open 365 days a year. So these animals are used to, you know, seeing people and connecting with them. And it's it's really great for them because it, it gives them that stimulation all day long because we are open from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. and then an additional hour on an aquarium side till 7 p.m. Um, so it's it's really awesome for those animals to have that stimulation all day long from so many different people. And, you know, we have our, our members who come through all the time. You know, we get to know them, ask for their names. If I see them, you know, a few times, I'm like, hey, I've seen you before. What's your name? Um, and just kind of connecting with the, the people who come to support us. Um, but they're used to seeing people all day long. And not only that, but we also have um, all within regulation, of course, but we have our, all of our barriers that are pretty close to the enclosures to the point where you're able to really get a good up close look at those animals, you know, from a safe distance yeah. and really make that connection and, and get that like one on one with that animal. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. That is a part of it. There was a cassowary today, too. Oh, yeah. Those guys are just, so cool. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And can you talk about cassowaries a little bit? Just because, oh, like, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, basically picture a dinosaur and that's a cassowary. Yes. Um, They are so cool. So they're part of the rat type family. Um, So it's going to include emus, ostriches, um, rayas, which is kind of like a mini ostrich, but in South America, essentially. (laughs) Um, So, you know, and we do actually have all of those guys here. And so the cassowaries are just such a beautiful bird. They are extremely territorial. So um, definitely a bird you have to use extreme caution when working with. Um, And they're just really fantastic. So they live in like the forests and they make this really like deep, like bellowing sound. And it's kind of intimidating, not going to lie. And they have really powerful legs. And that's within the whole rat type, you know, right, family. Right. Um, but the cassowaries are actually, you know, they have the name world's deadliest bird. Yes. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're dangerous birds for sure. But they're beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful. And they are so cool. Um, so it's it's really important to... Leave them alone if you ever, you know, encounter one in the wild. Um, you want to be as far away from that guy as you can. But, you know, we do have like these guys, for example, who you are able to like, you know, make that connection with. Because like I said, we are able to, um, you know, a lot of these guys are raised being around a lot of people and they really enjoy that stimulation. So those guys, I believe we've had since they were juveniles. So they really just love, you know, nice. you know, running around with kids. And and they I haven't seen like aggression towards you know, people right. and I go by, but I always like kind of keep an eye on them. And I always say hi, cause they're just really awesome birds and they're, they're really, really beautiful animals for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they- <laughs> I got this picture today and I was like, I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah. They're just, they're just so stunning. Yeah. They're just Definitely. very, very cool. And they are, you're right. They're dinosaurs. And I mean, birds are dinosaurs. That's how that yeah. works, but Definitely. Um, they are like the dinosaurs of dinosaurs, especially now that we found out that like 
dinosaurs had feathers, at least some. Yeah. It's like literally just, oh, okay, you're just a small T-Rex. Cool. Yeah, very, definitely. very cool. And not at all intimidating. Yeah, no, no, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, speaking of ratites, I've heard from people, and I'm curious if you have a take on this, and don't worry, none of them will listen to the podcast, but okay. I've heard that rayas <laughs> are actually the biggest jerks in the, the ratite family. Thoughts? So I actually have not had uh, a chance to work with our Reyes, okay. except oh, for our juvenile. We had a baby this year, oh. and she, her name is Rhaenyra, and um, so she's actually in, part of our education program. So when she gets older, she's going to be an ambassador for nice. her species. Um, so obviously, you got to kind of keep that in mind and if she doesn't want to do that for the rest of her life then she won't have to she'll go on exhibit and live you know her best life but so far she's doing fantastic with all of her training um but i've heard the adults they stay far far away from you if they can um they have a really huge yard that they get to run around in um they're with our capybaras and so it's really cool to see those guys in the back of adventure land there so definitely check those guys out um but yeah, so I can't really speak too much as far as the adults go, right. but that baby, she is the sweetest little thing. And Aww. she actually, she imprinted on me. So we would run her around because you have to exercise her like, you know, three, four times at least a day um, so they can develop those legs nice and strong as they should to support that weight on their body. Oh, she's awesome. She loves lettuce um, and following you around. And she got to the point where I would run her around like our service area and she would start outrunning me. So by the time we were done, I would be out of breath, exhausted. And she would be like, okay, mom, let's go. I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> That's adorable. That's yeah. really cool. Awesome. It's nice to know that there's at least one nice one out there. Right? Yeah. 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 Then the other ones can't be that bad if they're living with cappies. I mean, cappies yeah. are basically potatoes. They're going to get abused right. if they're going to be like an abusive animal. So... You know, you know, that's an interesting I, species exhibit, though. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. So the capybaras actually get along great with that's a amazing. ton of animals. If you look up like pictures of them, you'll see them like even in the wild, just like hanging out with like, you know, a bird on their back or like, you know, random animals, just like the most random animals you can <laughs> think of. And I just think those guys are so silly. And they they do great. So they've got a little pond in there and the rayas kind of, you know, keep their distance, do their raya thing and the capybaras hang out and they do their capybara thing. And it's really a cool exhibit to check out for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I really like that. Um, now, so I'm curious, you you mentioned, um, you know, that you're, you're um, in the bird department mm -hmm. um, and yet you work with ambassador birds. So like yeah. how much overlap is there? Is there an ambassador department here or does each department have their own ambassador animal section? How does that mm -hmm. work? Cause like, I know there are like, you know, shows and stuff here. So like, how, how does that all work? So we do have our education department and they take their day, you know, they obviously take care of feeding and cleaning and stuff like that. But a lot of their day is spent working one-on-one -on -one with all of our ambassador animals. And so they'll develop like, you know, this keeper works best with this animal and, you know, they, they do work with the other ones as well. Um, but they really take the time to focus on, you know, that positive relationship with those animals so that they can kind of show them off to the public and that animal is going to feel safe in the hands of that keeper. Um, so, we also do bird hand raising. So any of our breeding pairs, we do hand raise um, the birds just so we can closely monitor. We'll, we'll just use Stanley Craigs as an example. If you have two eggs, which is usually what they lay, and both of those eggs hatch, the stronger one actually usually kills the weaker one. Oh, good. good so good. we do hand raise just for the safety of our animals. Right. Um, and so, well, like I was saying earlier, um, the, the growth and development. And there are some animals here that we, you know, 
do raise their own, like the primates, for example, because they need that that social stimulation and interaction from the mother. Um, but if you take, you know, birds, for example, there's some birds, 16 to 18 days, they're like, all right, you're out of the nest, you're gone, you get out of here. But then they're like the macaw, for example, they start weaning at about three months old. And so it really just depends on the animal. Um, so as you know, the head bird keeper. I'm also the head of our bird hand raising um, department. Um, and of course, you know, we talked to, you know, our director, Jackie Word, and, you know, everyone else as far as like specifics go and stuff like that. Um, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. But um, being able to hand raise those birds, some of them are just really loving little guys. And so they, you know, if we have one that has like a really awesome personality, that would be really great to connect with the public then they go to our education department. And then that, at that point, those keepers will kind of take over the care of that animal and they can really just strengthen that bond while they're young and just get that animal to a point where they are as happy and feel as safe as they can so that they can, you know, interact with the public and give people that, um, that connection and interaction. Very cool. What, uh, what kind of education animals do y'all have here? Oh, we have a ton. Um, so <laughs> one <Name> them all <laughs> alphabetical go. Oh my goodness. Uh, that would take all day. Um, but yeah, so we well, have just like highlight a few, like yeah, maybe some cooler. A ones. couple of my favorites. We have Buffy, the vampire sprayer. You want to take a guess as to what she is? Buffy, the vampire sprayer. Yes. Oh boy. Okay. A skunk. Yeah. yeah she nice. is a skunk okay, and nice. she is well so done. cute well and she, oh my gosh, her little wiggly nose gets me every time. <laughs> Um, so she definitely has a fun personality. We have, um, a, this is a mouthful. It's a black tailed hairy dwarf porcupine. Oh, which there are only a couple in zoos, like uh, yeah, in the country. I've, never, I've, yeah. I've met so many different yeah. kinds of porcupines and I've never even heard of that. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Before. And they're, they're really awesome. And so her name is Stabitha. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they are all appropriately named nice, um, nice. and she is just a sweetheart and so she actually has a behavior she her oh my gosh her favorite foods are corn and sweet potatoes um, and she has a behavior uh, touch behavior so obviously you don't want to go backwards on a porcupine or you're going to have a terrible day um, but if you say touch and or her keepers not anyone right, right. but if her keepers say touch they can touch from like the top of her head and kind of go down her back um, and she does just fine with that like you know, it, it, it's something that she's used to and she doesn't mind at all. And it's something that is really cool to say, look at this porcupine, guys. Look, touch. <laughs> um, and she, awesome. you know, she's happy as could be because she's sitting there with a keeper that she trusts eating corn out of their hands. So she's having a great time. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, totally. Very cool. Where do the uh, where do the ambassadors uh, or the education animals mm -hmm. uh, live? Are they on exhibit or off? Or? So those guys are actually behind the scenes and that way they can, um, you know, their keepers take the time with them throughout the day for training and enrichment and all sorts of that or, or all sorts of that kind of stuff. Um, and they mostly live behind the scenes, but they'll go out on stage. So we have our um, our animal encounter show so that the public can meet them. We do have um, some Asian small clawed otters as well, and they give little high fives. Um, nice. I, I am not sure if they're still doing that, but, you know, back in the day they were. I, again, not my department, so no, I can't right, really right. speak on that, um, but they are so cool. So just just providing that, like... That, again, that connection with those animals is really important. And um, we also have, you know, some other other areas behind the scenes that their keepers will be able to take the time to train with them. So they have no like outside distractions and they can really just strengthen that bond. Very cool. Um, what do you think, you know, uh, the and, and especially having grown up here and everything, mm -hmm. what do you think the impact on this place yeah. is to the wider community? 
I think it's really important. Um, I know, you know, myself, we had our family membership pass since I was like eight years old, but there's some people that don't get that same opportunity. And I, I think it's really awesome that you get to go to like all sorts of zoos across the country. Like it that's is, fantastic. it is very awesome. That's, yeah. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but there's like, you know, some people that they've never been to a zoo in their life. And, you know, you could be like 25 years old going to a zoo for the first time. And our zoo is just, like I said, one that you can get like really close to the animal and just have, like you were talking about that experience where you just connect with an animal. So I think it's really important um, to just Get people involved and kind of open up the conservation, um, the conservation conversation. Yes, which is always hard to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah, That's kind of a tongue twister there. Conservation conversation. There it is. Yeah, Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, Do y'all do, and again, I know, I know not your department, but I also know that you're very proud of this place and very knowledgeable. Oh, of course. So do do y'all do anything to help get the community into the facility? Yeah, definitely. So we, um, we do outreaches a ton. So our education department um, who work with those animal ambassadors, they'll go to schools, they'll go to events and just kind of reach out to the community. So um, that way, you know, if you don't have a chance to go to the zoo, you can still see those animals and and get that experience and and talk to the keepers and ask them questions and just kind of, I don't know, have a different kind of experience like outside of the zoo setting, but still with those really awesome animals. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. What is your favorite non-bird here? Or like a couple. I know. You do as well with the word favorite as I do, by yeah, the way. Right? All of my fans <laughs> make fun of me for being uh, like, here is my list of my top 30 favorite. They're yeah. like, John, that's not even – it just means you like them. But, but yeah, tell yeah. me about some of your favorite non-birds. The cheetahs. Okay. 100% the okay. cheetahs. Um, so I did have the privilege to work with them for an amount of time, and I actually got the male tattooed. It's not a good tattoo. Well, I mean, Wait, it, it got, is. You put but... a tattoo on <laughs> On a male cheetah. No, no I'm kidding. No, I'm, no. Kidding. I'm <laughs> just kidding. No, no, no. I know what you mean. Um, you have a tattoo of yes, a male cheetah. Yes, yes. And it's, it's not a good tattoo. Well, though. it's not a bad <laughs> tattoo. It's just not like a like a realistic tattoo. It's okay, just like a little you. cartoony one that I look at, and sometimes I'm like, hmm. Why did I get a cheetah tattoo on the back <laughs> of my arm? But then um, other times I'm like. I love that little guy, you know, he's, he's a part of me. And so he's definitely like one of my favorite animals at the zoo. And, you know, there's definitely a ton of others that, like you said, we have a very loose uh, favorite terminology. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's just just a silly little guy. And his little meow is the cutest little meow you've ever heard. And the female super sweet, too. But just I have a really special connection with that with with the male there, and he he's awesome. He really what, is. What's his name? His name's Nkuthu. So Nkuthu. He, yes, right. yes. So um, Nkuthu and Carrera, and they both are from a uh, facility in Africa um, so that we can kind of promote that genetic diversity because those guys, even in, you know, in the wild, have a really, really small gene pool. So, um, you know, they haven't had any cubs, but, you know, they are a pair. So you never know. Maybe one day we're going to have little baby cheetahs and they'll be the cutest little fluffiest little things you've ever seen. But uh, they're they're really awesome animals. And they're so fun, too, because if you drive your golf cart past, the female will race with you. The male, oh, he'll nice. just kind of lay there like, oh, you guys have fun. But the female will race with you. And it, it's actually a lot of fun that's really cool i i often talk about like the perks of doing this podcast and like i'm just very honest you know get to meet a lot of cool animals get to go to a lot of cool places get to skip paying a lot of admission fees all that yeah. stuff you know yeah. all that you know and then there's the good stuff like we talked about inspiring people raising money for conservation Definitely. all that stuff one of the perks that i don't think i've ever talked about on here is that mm-hmm. every once in a while i get to go 
in the golf cart to go like see animals. Yeah. And having gone to zoos my whole life and being mm-hmm. obsessed with zoos, being on a zoo golf cart and also seeing how animals react to it is the most badass feeling in the world. And I love it every time. I'm just like, I'm doing the thing. I'm on the golf cart. It's so silly, but it's so real. Yeah. And animals love Definitely, definitely. And they see the golf carts and they know what comes from the golf cart. Mm-hmm. The golf cart has food and their favorite people on yep. it. So anytime they see a golf cart, they like kind of perk up like, oh, who is that? And they can actually kind of recognize like whose golf cart is who sometimes based off the sound or, you know, wow. like what it looks like depending on the animal. And it's it's just really fun. Like not only the cheetahs race you back there, um, but the lions as well. And then the uh, spotted hyenas. So you'll go in that whole loop and then you'll have the lions run with you and then the hyenas and then the cheetahs and then back around to the lions. <laughs> and it's just really fun. And it, it just it makes their day. It makes my day. And it's just a fun thing to to do with them obviously not going too fast you know the cheetah's gonna win but (laughs) you know it's um it's a lot of fun for sure very cool very cool are there any other animals or anything else that you want to tell me about here so we not only have you know the zoo side but we also have the aquarium and a lot of people don't realize that we have like four aquarium buildings, you know, it's an actual aquarium. Um, We have our sea lion shows and the sea lions are really fantastic. Also Um, definitely check out the sea lion shows. Um, But the lorikeet feeding too is actually the first in the world. So that's pretty awesome. That's fascinating. Yeah. So I know, you know, a lot of zoos have lorikeet feedings, but ours actually had the first one ever, um, which is really awesome. Um, And we have just a lot of really cool hands-on things you can do. So we have our giraffe feeding station. We have our stingray touch tanks. We have, um, you know, the petting zoo. We have a tortoise petting zoo. Yeah. We, you know, tortoises, they're not going to go too fast, but you know, you can, (laughs) can check them out for sure. Um, And just a lot of really cool hands-on things that you can do and just get involved with. Awesome. Very, very cool. Uh, Are there any conservation organizations you'd like to give a shout out to? Yes, for sure. Um, We work with a conservation organization called Save Giraffes Now, and we do our, I believe it was our second annual giraffe jam um, this this last November. And it's so fun because the zoo opens up before zoo hours and you can actually run through and do a little like 5K through the zoo. And the animals think it's the coolest thing ever because, you know, they get they get accustomed to when the visitors come in yeah, and yeah. They, they know the schedule. And so they, they get so excited. And so this organization, Save Giraffes Now, 100% of their proceeds go to boots on the ground conservation efforts in Africa because giraffes are slowly, slowly slipping away. And it's really important just to, you know, open up that con, con-, eh. con- sorry. No, no, no. I, conservation conversation. Con- this conservation is hard. conversation. Can I leave this part in since it's silly? <laughs> yeah. Are you okay with that? Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll like that, honestly. Please okay. don't judge me, guys. Yeah, uh, no, I, you guys try and yeah, say you it right guys now. Try. Pause Give the five podcast times. and you try. Yeah, no, not going to happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, quite a... Tongue twister there. Um, the conservation conversation um, really opens that up. And just definitely check them out. Save Giraffes Now. They are an amazing organization. Awesome. I should I should, I should, should look into them because I have conservation orgs on the pod too. I, yeah. I, maybe I should, I should. Yeah. They've been mentioned a couple of times now. I'm, I'm getting good vibes about yeah. that. Yeah. So, no, they're yeah. fantastic. Have to check they're that good out. people. Very cool. It's time now, don't you know? We've come to the end of the show. But there's one tale left to go You're gonna laugh and say, oh no It's time for the Rock Safari Poop Story
Yes. So I know we talked about it earlier with the Conyers and the go ahead. And, you know, you don't want to say go ahead if you don't want them to. <laughs> um, but Skittles, actually, he made a little TV appearance um, yesterday, actually. Nice. And he pooped right on the floor. And yes. I was like, sorry, guys. And so I like <laughs> ran to get a paper towel and they're like, and we're going live. And I was like, I had to rush back in. And so they, you know, they made a comment like, oh, and he had an accident. But it was just like, I had to be so fast, you know, and be like, oh, here he is. That's hilarious. Um, but I was like, all right, Skittles, we'll get that after the segment, I guess. But um, <laughs> that was... It was it was pretty funny to be honest um, that he went literally right before we started filming, um, and you know working with birds, they go to the bathroom a lot. Yeah. They have a very fast metabolism, so you know sometimes you're standing underneath them and you don't want to be. Yeah, no, that's, is, it, yeah. is it true that birds don't have uh, I guess a sphincter or whatever that would like actually hold that in? Is that is that a real thing or is that just something that I've heard? So they have. Kind of. Okay. Um, so they have their cloaca, um, and it's just basically everything comes out of that. Um, right. You know, poop, urine, eggs, and sometimes all at the same time. Oh, um, nice. The, the, you know, the... The poop and pee that comes out at the same time, regardless, because they don't have like that separation right, there. Right. But then the eggs also, you know, <laughs> everything kind of comes out of there. So um, basically, they have some very tight muscles in there that they can kind of relax. Um, but it's when they're birds in particular, when they lay too many eggs, you have to really monitor that to make sure that those muscles aren't loosening too much and kind of keep an eye on their, their health and make sure that they are healthy and not, not prolapsing. Cause that is bad. That oh, is yeah. really, really bad. Yeah, I would imagine so. Um, but yeah, basically it's just kind of everything comes out of there. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, uh, that's that's good to yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something and, uh, to think about. And yeah, and hey, y'all, enjoy your breakfast tomorrow. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. It's yeah, been a blast. of course, of course. It's been a lot of fun. Y'all, that was such a good time. And um, I was so lucky because after the interview, Danielle took me on a very special uh, excursion, which you'll get to hear about next week. Met some other people and more importantly, other animals at the zoo uh, for a real wild time. If you have uh, seen my Instagram at all, then then you might have a slight hint about what uh, next week's episode is going to be about. But um, then after that cool experience, uh, she grabbed me again and took me to meet the black-tailed hairy dwarf porcupine that she mentions in this episode. Uh, I do have pictures of that up on Instagram as well, and I'll make sure to post some more. But um, it was really cool meeting a super rare and, and you know, species that I was kind of curious about. So um, it was it was a really great experience. So, Danielle, thank you. And um, just, Christy, thank you so much for for letting me come and, and share about your zoo. It, it's I love the relationship that we've built uh, over the last year with this. And, um, y'all, there's, there's another very cool episode coming next week. Uh, so, yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm just grateful to have you all here and listening. Uh, so I would like to say thank you to all of you for being amazing listeners and especially to Lara Shank and Kristen Dickey, my Red Panda level patrons. Y'all really help uh, keep the old uh, the lights on at Safari headquarters here. So uh, until uh, Friday when it's Zoo News time, I just wanted to drop a quick reminder to you all that the word credits backwards is Steiderk. Steiderk. 
The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Rossi. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.